We come to find mercy, help, and grace in time of need. Lord, whatever the situation is in their lives, I pray for your mercy, your grace, and your help in time of need. Thank you, Lord. Today we worship you and we glorify you. I pray, Lord, for a shift in their heart today, that they don't stay the same. Neither are they stuck in their situation. I pray for breakthrough. In the one and only name, Jesus Christ. I pray from today, Lord, that you give them grace, sufficient enough for them to overcome every trouble, every challenge, every trial. And Father, today we lift up your son's name. In the highest way, we thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for purchasing us by your blood. Thank you for your blood, Lord. Life is in your blood. Pray that our life today is completed in you. Because great is the one who's in us than the one who's in the world. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much. And we are grateful for every situation, every circumstance, because you are with us. And you will deliver us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We can all be seated. Thank you. Is there an echo or it's okay? It's good? It's good. Amen. Who's ready for tonight? <clears throat> I encourage you to come early uh, because the Holy Spirit does things least expected and he speaks to us with the food that we need to keep on going in the Lord. Amen. So I encourage every person to come early as we sit in the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit ministers to us. You'll be blessed. Amen. This is good. Don't get me wrong. But it's more powerful when the raw instructions from the Holy Spirit comes. Amen. So you're thinking today, um, <clears throat> I have a surprise for you today. It's something so small, but it's something so great. And I'm going to share my encounter with the Lord. <clears throat> so here today, I'm preaching the most important thing in your journey. If there was something that I was to choose regarding my journey with the Lord, there is something that matters the most to me. Because let me, let me tell you in this way, Let me say it like this. Moses, the only thing Moses asked for when God sent him to do battle and to, and to possess the land, there was only one thing that he asked for. And you know what that was? His presence. 
the word of God can only take you so far until the Holy Spirit manifests. The Bible says that the word of God is for babes. It gives you an idea of who God is and how he operates. But the presence is for your life. And it's very powerful if you begin to understand what I'm saying. The Bible says in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. It's that realm where God becomes real. The Holy Spirit shared with me last week the difference between faith and belief and how belief doesn't get us to our destiny, but faith does. The Bible says that Satan believes and he trembles. That is his faith. So believing doesn't get results. Our faith gets us results. Believing is not enough. And what does it mean for a person today to believe? I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. But is it for you? Did he do it for you? That's where faith comes. See, everyone believes in the common, the common Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. But is all his promises for you? That's where we start to see the raw power of God. So I hadn't... I want to share my experience because I was seeking the Lord of what, which direction I should go. And how I share it is how it happened. Nothing added, nothing less. If you choose to believe, you'll be blessed. So, <clears throat> my daily routine, I've done a five-day fast last week. And I was not seeking direction, I just wanted to fast longer. Anyways, when I was around the pool, I was praying. I was praying in tongues in between probably one to two hours. And I said in my heart, I said in my heart, Lord, how do you feel when I come to worship you? I said that in my heart. And I said, Lord, how do you feel when I come to worship you every day? And it was interesting because all the clouds, they, they began to move. I saw a cross in the beginning. I always see crosses when I pray. But that everything moved and it was just a blue sky. And, and what was interesting is that everything became still in that moment when God's voice came. And what happened was, I looked up into the sky, and I'm not encouraging anyone to go and start looking into the sky. Lord, do something for me. Like, just please understand. And, and I looked up into the sky, and I can see this thing falling from the sky. But there's nothing there, word for word. And the thing fell, probably it was, it was hundreds and hundreds of meters above. And it fell and it landed on my feet. And it was a feather. And the Holy Spirit spoke in that moment. And he said to me this. He said, when you pray, you're protecting my presence in you. And this is what I'm going to preach today. That when we pray... We are protecting God's presence inside of us. I want you to think about that. This is not a message to make you feel like this is a message for you to don't compromise with his presence. If I can say it like this. 
Not that present. <laughs> That's a different present. It fell on my foot. And the Holy Spirit said, in that moment, when you pray, you're protecting my presence in you. Okay? So, I'm going to go down this direction. If I can say it like this, I find the Christian world, and I don't want to compare to anyone, I find the Christian world today, they are lacking this so much. The presence of God. It's like this. They're wild. They're wild. Believers are wild today. Where they don't build a habit to be in God's presence every day. And this is what's lacking. Manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In their, in their walk alone. I find that so many people, they haven't tamed the flesh through the presence of God. They haven't broke that habit, that strong habit of training themselves to be in the presence every day. And if there's anything that the flesh would war against, is that the presence of God. The Bible says that the flesh, it lusts against the spirit, stopping you from what you need to do. So if there's anything that the flesh would war against you, it's to be in the presence of God. And in the beginning, there was a thousand excuses for me not to go to that place. In the beginning, I felt nothing. I heard nothing. But there was a great reward of persistence in the presence. And you know, probably the, the most important reward for me is the voice. Yes, you can feel joy. Yes, you can feel love. Yes, you can feel peace. But the greatest reward was the voice. Because that's God communicating with me. And there's nothing more that I go for other than this. Yes, there is seasons where you're in the word of God. You're in a place of his presence, his worship. You're in the place of winning souls. Yes, there's a season for everything. But the most important thing I found in my walk is the presence of God. Because wherever you go after that, the healing's there, deliverance there, word of knowledge is there, wisdom is there, discernment is there, all from the place of his presence. Because his presence carries all that. His presence carries all that. I had a man uh, three days ago call me and and I didn't mean to be rude to the man. I said, my friend, I don't know who's speaking to me. Can you take a photo and send it to my phone? And he goes, I can't tell you what happened to my family. And, and these are all the missions that I went on. His wife had cancer. His wife had cancer. And um, I got there, and she was very rude to me. But I look past that. It's not about me. It's about... Know, weaving myself around Satan to bring the gospel. And what happened was she had cancer and the Holy Spirit showed me what the issue was. And anyways, um, she ended up getting healed. But the God didn't tell me. 
He told me it like three days ago. And I went to his house like last year or something like that. And um, what happened was his daughter was there. And they didn't let anyone else come with me. They had the other people had to wait in the cold outside because they probably had a bad experience with some other people or they didn't trust people. I don't know what it was. But anyways, the daughter was there. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit spoke to me after I ministered to the lady for healing. And the Holy Spirit said to me that she's getting bullied at school and she hasn't told anyone about it. And she's contemplating if she wants to still be on earth. And I spoke it to the girl. And she boiled her eyes out. There's nothing greater than saving someone from a place of committing suicide. That's how it begins. Bullying. They don't share it with anyone. They think that they're the reason why they're a mistake on earth. They don't deserve to be here. And the man cried. He said, there's a thousand things you could have said in my household. And he said, you said the one thing that no one knew about that was eating her day by day. And they organized me another mission, a man with cancer. I'm going tomorrow to pray for some other people. But look how the gospel spread. God answered them. Then he, what he preached is true. Come to this other place. So I want to encourage you that when you open your mouth, it's God for their life. Prepare yourself for this. But what is it that I prepared myself? Is it something that I read? No, it's the one who I built in. See, when you're in the presence of God, there you're in the domain of God. He carries everything. Wisdom, discernment, faith, word of knowledge, deliverance, healing. He carries all of it. What is that place? Presence of God. And you have the flesh to tame. The flesh doesn't want to be tamed. It wants all the benefits of God, but it doesn't want to be disciplined. And if there's something, if there is something that I would lead a person now, it would be the presence of God. Why? Because there he deals with your flesh first. He deals with the realm of sin, unbelief, and all the things that need to be addressed. Then he promotes you to the kingdom. So the most important thing in your journey, what is it? Of how you build him inside of you. Because when he speaks to you, it's sealed. You know you heard from God, your life is sealed. I can speak to you about what God showed me for you, but there is nothing greater than him speaking it to you. Satan will come, the world will come, the flesh will come, sin would come. It cannot be taken away. God spoke it to you. Where did it come from? The presence of God. What does the flesh hate to go to the presence You can read, it's easy to read. You can go preach the gospel, it's easy. When you come to that presence, it's uncomfortable. Because there, there's nothing to hold on to anymore. But the things that you need to deal with inside. And that's, a, that's the, 
that's the process you have to go through as a believer. Are you willing to go through that process? See, some people would say, I want to go to the presence to be used by God. doesn't work. I'm going to the presence to be disciplined, to be transformed, to be, to be worked on inside of me. That is the key. That is the key. It was that place where God became real to me. Real. He became real. His presence. So if I was to say to you, what's, what's the greatest way you can value God? Is how you, how you walk and be in His presence every day. That's the greatest way you can value God. How? By the Holy Spirit inside of you. That is the key. And that's something that the flesh would fight against. It's irritated because there has to be a change there. There has to be a conviction there. The war begins in this place. So let's say you don't go to the presence. Would the Holy Spirit allow you to go through that process to change, to be renewed, to be restored, and then operate in the kingdom? It will not happen. That's why so many people aren't seeing the true manifestation of God. Because they're not going through that process. They haven't trained themselves in the presence. They're wild. They're wild. They, they can't be tamed. And is it everyone's duty to go to the presence of God? 100% yes. It's not a gifting. It's, it's your life. Everyone must carry the presence of God. And that's where God reveals himself to you. This is where, this is where my life changed. This is where everything became real to me. For the Holy Spirit to say that to me made me wonder, what's the process of God's presence? So someone would say, if I was to begin to put myself in the presence of God, what is the process that I have to undergo? What do I look for when the presence of God begins to work in my life? What's the pattern? The Holy Spirit showed me from the Old Testament. I want to show it to you. It will bless your heart. He showed me the stages of when the Holy Spirit enters you through his presence and what he begins to work on. You'd like to know? But can I say this? Can I say this truly? It was like when I when I came down, it was like heaven is a glass. It was like it's a glass, and they're all looking down at me, saying, "What you're doing is building on the right foundation." Because can I say it like this? When you train yourself to be in the presence, you can hear the slightest conviction. You can hear this the slightest discernment. You can hear the slightest alarm. You can hear the slightest heartbeat of God. You'll make no mistake in this place. It's true. You're so sensitive to the Holy Spirit in this area. And you will not go blindfolded into any place without you knowing that God has ordained it. 
You understand that? It's so true. Every time I sit with someone, did God speak to you? No, I, I feel it. I feel it. Don't want to know. Because whatever is given by God, it's yours. And for God to speak it, it's better than you trying to plan it. Or you try to speak it into existence. Everything that I've done till today, by the grace of God, it's been spoken by God. I, haven't, I have not gone off that path of honoring God in the highest way. What's that? Relying on His Spirit. That's the greatest way you can honor the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. So someone would say, I, I prayed, I didn't hear anything. Put it to bed. Keep walking. When I walked, when I walked in the presence, I had no, had no understanding of how it's going to happen. Meaning I didn't plan. I didn't premeditate on how God's going to do it. I didn't think this is it's going to be like this or it's going to be this way. I just walked with God. And he protected me and spoke it to me in the right time. Because how do you know what how do you know you're ready for something that you're praying for? I knew that I'm not ready, so it's better I don't pray, let God speak it to me. You'll be kept safe in this place. So let's say you don't prepare yourself in the presence. The voice doesn't come because you haven't prepared God inside of you. He hasn't flipped those tables, those den of robbers. He hasn't worked in those places that are inside of you for God to promote you to the next call of your life. So let's say you don't, you don't build a habit of God's presence in you. The voice doesn't come for you to be used by the kingdom. Or God doesn't give you responsibility because he hasn't done the inward work yet. The presence deals with that. The presence starts to convict, uproot, work on all those areas that needs to be addressed. That is the key. The key is that the, the Christian world is suffering today because they haven't understood the process. They haven't understood what they have to go through and what God needs to work on for them to keep moving forward. And in this way, they become stuck. It's true. So everyone knows what the Ark of the Covenant is in the Old Testament. I'll give you a quick little picture about the Ark of the Covenant. In the Old Testament, can we have a photo of it? There's Aaron's rod and the showbread and, and, and the Ten Commandments there with the cherubim covering it. Okay, so they used to carry this. They used to carry this. It's symbolic of God's presence. They used to carry this to war, and wherever this was, they would win the battle. Yes? In the Old Testament, this is a picture of what what happens to us when God's presence comes inside of us and what type of what types of army armies spiritually we are fighting against okay so i'm going to read a scripture that will bless you it's very deep it's very meaty so i pray by god's grace you get this but this is where god led me so i'm going to go with it 
So this is a physical picture of how they went to war. In the New Testament now, it's a spiritual battle inside of our hearts. So the different armies that came against Israel, symbolic of the different types of warfare that Satan brings into our heart. Because if there is one thing that Satan thrives on, what is that? If there is one major thing, one major aspect of Satan against the beliefs of God, what do you think it would be? What do you think it would be? Anyone here? What's that, sorry? Delay? Doubt? Fear? Sin? Unbelief? If there is one major thing Satan wants to do, is take the place of God in you. He thrives on this. His main goal from his main goal is to achieve what God did. Take the place of God inside of you. You know that? So if you get uncomfortable, <laughs> if you get uncomfortable, just be happy because God is beginning to take you out of this place. The one major thing of Satan is to take the place of God in you. And what's that? In the place where his presence lives. Satan wants his presence to be known inside of you, where you live for his will, his way, his mind. So let's have a go. We go to we go to First Samuel. Now this is interesting because how the Holy Spirit let me see this, I will explain. But it's interesting how Word by word, it means something so powerful. So we go to first, first Samuel chapter 4, and I'll read onwards. Okay, so let's read it first. Now this is a picture of God's army, God's people, spiritually now. So we're reading in the Old Testament that the Philistines and Israel went to war. But this is a spiritual picture of that when God's tabernacle enters your heart in the Holy Spirit, this is who is going to begin to oppose you. Do we all understand that? We understand that? So the Old Testament, the Old Testament is symbolic of physical wars. New Testament today, they're spiritual wars. So Satan is exposed in this, and I'll explain. So from this scripture, you're going to have a clear indication of that when God's presence in the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you become born again, he will start to have to deal with these types of things inside of you. We understand that? Okay. You have to get this before I move forward. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, if I can say it in like this, the cleanup begins. Yes? The cleanup begins. So what does that show us? It shows us that in the process, don't be discouraged. Because what is happening in you is written. Some people, they're like a leopard. They go through it so quick and overcome. Some people are like the turtle. That's your obedience. 
that's the way you choose to obey his voice. But God's offered a way out. So let's have a read. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. And encamped besides Ebenezer. Now it's interesting because they faced many uh, Israel and Philistines. They faced many wars. They faced many wars. And Israel encamped in Ebenezer. They started to learn their ways, their gods, their traits. Okay, so we've got to read it in context. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Now I'll read the whole scripture and then I'll explain. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle, array against Israel. And when they had joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. Now isn't it interesting that they didn't enter the battle with the tabernacle. They called God after. Isn't that a picture of our own flesh? Isn't it a picture of our own flesh? When you're in trouble, you invite who inside of you? Holy Spirit. It's a picture of what he needs to do inside of you now. Can you see this? Can the Holy Spirit show me this? He showed me this is a picture of a believer. Call upon the, na the name of the Lord when you're in trouble and he will deliver you. It's a picture of when the Holy Spirit comes in, the battle begins. Yes? Not the battle is over, the battle begins. So let's keep reading. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of the, our enemies. Now, isn't it interesting, we go back there, in Ebenezer, they learnt their traits, they learnt their ways of, of, how, of how they are to live in the world and how they are to be part of the system of the world. And it's interesting now, they said now, bring the covenant now, we want to change our ways. It's a picture of repentance also. So we'll keep going. So the people sent to Shiloh, that they might bring from the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Now there's a spiritual treasure there in that scripture there, about uh, Hophni and Phinehas. Were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does that sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood the Ark of the Lord has come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said God has come into the camp, and they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been, as they have been to you. Conduct yourself like men and fight. Now, can we stop there? This is a picture of the flesh and the spirit. That you are not to be its master. 
meaning your flesh is not to be your master. Here it's showing them that the flesh is mastering the spirit. Okay, because they were defeated here. Okay, it's saying here that you do not become the servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourself like men and fight. This is a picture of a spiritual battle between the spirit and the devil. Now, I'm, I'm, can, I'm putting it all together quickly, but it's actually very powerful. So keep going. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell of, of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Okay. So let's get into this. Are we understanding where I'm going with this? Yes or no? Okay. So let's go to the first Samuel chapter four, verse one. Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped besides Ebenezer. Ebenezer in the Hebrew means a stone of help or an aid of help. Then it says here, and the Philistines encamped in Apec. Apec means a strong fortress or to hold you firm in the error of your conscience. Pay attention, please. This is a picture of God's tabernacle. The Holy Spirit coming in you and Satan coming into you. What does Satan thrive to do? Hold you firm in the error of your conscience mind, which becomes part of your carnal mind and thoughts, which becomes very deeply seated. The spiritual meaning of the Philistines means is deviated from a true course, meaning to take you away from a true course. That was what Philistine symbolic of spiritually. It means to be oppressed to all true spiritual discipline. Now I'll say it again. This is very important for you to understand. The word Philistine the word Philistine was fighting against Israel, meaning the chosen people of God. The word Philistine means here, it means Philistines were opposed to all spiritual discipline. You know what that means? It means that when God's presence enters you, the Antichrist, Satan, representing the Philistines, his job is to, for you, not to be spiritually disciplined in God's presence. Can we understand this? His task is to take you away from God's presence. Because as long as he can take you away from God's presence, the work of God cannot manifest in your life. Philistine represents consciousness, meaning the carnal man. Now, after Israel was defeated, they decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant. Now, that's a picture of what we do when we face troubles. We invite God in our life.
Okay, we go to the next one. Now, the first stage. Now, this is powerful. We go to 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 11. Just hold on. I wanna. Okay. So, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 11. It says here, Also the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Okay, so this here is symbolic of that the Ark of the Covenant was captured, meaning the Holy Spirit being captured, or oh sorry, so it means your vessel being captured by Satan. Now look what his name, look what his name here means. Hophni, Hophni in the Hebrew means fist. Or it means to fight you. Okay? Fine has means hiss of the devil. So look here, look this picture here. Look how the ark of the look look how the ark of God is captured inside of you. I don't mean to say it like that, but everyone has the Holy Spirit. But can you be captured from the enemy? Certainly. Look how look how Satan captures the ark, which is you, because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Look how he captures you. Fights you by the hiss of the devil. Can you see this? So the way that God captures you is he fights you in the natural man by the hiss of the devil. That's what finance means. The mouth of Satan or the mouth of the serpent. Look it up. you see it. It's very powerful. So here... It says here, it's a picture of God's presence entering you to begin to see where the enemy has captured you. Okay, so this picture here is symbolic of that you're a prisoner now to the enemy, but the Holy Spirit has come now to see where the enemy has captured you. Where are you a prisoner to the enemy? And I wrote some points here. The enemy... 2 Timothy 1.7, the enemy instills fear. This is one major way the enemy captures you, which is God's temple. He instills fear in your life. Put up that scripture. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Number two, the enemy lies to you. John 8.44, He lies to you. What happened there? Why the Ark of the Covenant was captured? Because the hiss of the devil. He says here, you are the father of the devil, and the desire of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Number three, the enemy tempts you to sin. This is the way that the enemy steals God's possession. This is the way how he weaves himself inside. 
because they lost the battle here. God's bringing our attention here to something. They lost the battle. The enemy tempts you to sin, James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Number four, the enemy stirs up pride. Proverbs 13.10. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with well-advised is wisdom. Now, this is the interesting part that I want to hit home regarding your life. The enemy uses persistence. His main goal throughout the whole Old Testament and New Testament, he's very persistent in attacking you. Okay, so we'll start here with Judges 16, 15 to 17. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. So he's very persistent in causing you to fall. We go to the next one. Genesis chapter 39, verse 5. The enemy uses persistence in the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. So it was from that time that he had made him an overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessings of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Uh, one second. I think I, is that six? I think there's verse six as well. I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that one. We go to the enemy uses persistence in the story of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, the enemy came after Jesus three times with three different ways. So the, so the main goal of the enemy in stealing the Ark of the Covenant which is inside of you or trying to possess who you are is one thing. He's very persistent in causing you to fall. Meaning that if you are not established in the presence of God, if you haven't trained yourself to be in the presence of God, it's a high indication that he will continue to attack all these areas of your life. Are we understanding? The presence of God is what was designed to actually protect you. Psalms 91, it's interesting. Could we just go to quickly Psalms 91? I think Psalms 91 verse 4. Now, I didn't know this. I didn't know this, that when God was trying to communicate with me, he was trying to allow me to understand what he was actually saying. Now it says here, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be a shield and buckler. Now it's interesting what God was trying to show me when that fell down and landed on my foot. He was trying to show me that the presence of God was designed to protect you, to guide you, to lead you. And it's that domain where the enemy cannot reach. 
He cannot reach you if you've trained yourself to be in the presence. And what does that look, what does that look like from day to day? It's a disciplined life. Can I say it like this? It's a disciplined life. So many people are not willing to discipline their life in this way. But the reward is what? What is the greatest reward out of God's discipline? That your journey, there is no compromise, but also you will walk without being weary, tired, frustrated, injured, confused, broken. That's the reward. The reward is that you're walking and nothing can pull you away from that secured place. That is the reward. Now you read the whole Psalms 91, it tells you, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, all the promises stems from one place. All the promise of God stems from one place, the presence. It's not just reading that scripture. When you train yourself to be in the presence, all the blessings, all the promotions, all the protection, all his hand comes on one place. Train yourself to be in the presence. And that is a disciplined life that, that not many want to focus on. God reveals himself to you in this place. And you may think, you know what, like I've read this scripture and I've tried to be in the presence. I haven't felt or seen anything yet. It's the trust that God is going to reveal himself there. Because I can tell you now, nothing can prepare you more than God's presence. Nothing. Nothing can protect you more. And you let your carnal nature dictate you. You let your carnal nature motivate you from day to day. All it's going to do is take you away from that place that was meant to transform you. It's true. So many, some, someone will say, Lord... Change me, Lord. Come to my presence. Lord, guide me. Come to my presence. Lord, use me. Come to my presence. Every place it stems from this place. But your flesh would fight, fight against you so much when you establish yourself in this place. It's true. There's no guessing. When you're in God's presence, there's actually no guessing. God speaks clearly. And one person said to me, one person said to me many months ago, they said, I've struggled to hear from God. They said, I struggled to hear from God. And I said, can I ask you a question? I said, where did you, where did you locate God's presence most? And they said, when I'm struggling. And I said, that's exactly how the body of Christ is. They've learned to locate God's presence in turmoil, in struggles, in challenges. But they haven't learned God's presence in day-to-day -day life. And that person started to understand that I've given the greatest value to God in my troubles. But, when, <laughs> but from my day-to-day -day life, I didn't build that soil there that foundation there to be in God's presence every day. Can you, can you understand that? 
So someone someone said to me, I'm struggling to hear from God. And I knew straight away what the Holy Spirit was, show, was showing me, that they, that they located God's presence and voice to overcome and to be free and to be delivered when they were in need. Isn't that, isn't that the flesh right there? That we come to God when there is things of needs and want, but we don't come to him to see what he has for us. It's, it's such a beautiful place to worship God and you don't need anything anymore. God sees your worship is true. In the beginning, every one of us come to him for a need or a want or a healing or a breakthrough or a deliverance or a restoration. But God sees maturity when you're training yourself for what's to come for your journey. And there's so much I can say about this. Until you witness it, you will know. Every day, training yourself to be in the presence in this way is a place where he begins to lead you. So I feel like there are so many believers in the beginning cultivate that soil to hear from God to get out of their problems. But when their problems leave, they don't mature enough to be used by God to build in his presence. Okay. So the enemy, the enemy's greatest plan is persistence. Let's go to the second stage. I don't know if I'm going to continue the whole thing, but I'll go to the second stage. First Samuel chapter 5. Verse 1, I'm, I'm writing all the scriptures where the tabernacle got sent from this place to that place. It means something spiritually. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1, Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Now, it's interesting because it's showing you here what the enemy is doing now. So, the Philistines took the ark of the Lord and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Ashdod. Ashdod is symbolic of the God of oppression. His task is to oppress you. Ebenezer means the God of help or the aid of help. Now look at this. This is all from what it means. They took it. So the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Ebenezer, Ebenezer was a place where God's people were, were operating in a place of repentance, prayer, and fasting. So the word Ebenezer here, it's showing you here for a believer, is that he's left the place of prayer, fasting, and repentance, and he's entered the place of Ashdod. It's showing you what happens to your temple when you leave the place of prayer, fasting, and repentance, and you operate through that demon Ashdod. Now, Ashdod's role is to oppress you, number one. 
Number two, his role is to destroy thoughts in man through rebellion. Now, isn't that interesting that when we leave the prayer, when we leave the place of prayer, when we leave the prayer, the place of prayer, repentance and fasting, naturally, he's there waiting for us. Look here. Ashdod means the god of oppression, destroying thoughts in man through rebellion, to destroy God's value inside of you, to steal what's inside of you. Ebenezer, the aid of help. Where does God help you? Prayer, repentance, fasting. That's where God can actually reach you. God can't reach you through the God of Ashdod. There, there is rebellion. There, there is disobedience. There, he's stolen the values of God in you. God cannot reach you. The spirit can't touch the flesh. So they left, they left Ebenezer, which is a stone of help, and they went to Ashdod, a life of rebellion. They left their attitude of prayer. Someone says to me, I struggle to pray. No, my friend, Satan's knocking on your door. Satan knows exactly what he's doing to you, killing you slowly, slowly, before there is nothing left inside. He knows exactly what he's doing. I'll pray tomorrow. I'll focus on it next week. He knows exactly what he's doing inside of you. The hiss of the devil. You didn't make that up, that I'm not going to pray today, that I'm not going to fast, that I'm not going to be in the attitude of repentance from day to day. Satan, that's his plan. Because once, once Satan can move that power source from you, naturally, rebellion is there. Can you see it? Can you see it? So when you compromise your prayer life, when you compromise your life of fasting, when you compromise, compromise your life of repentance, what are you doing? You've really heard the hiss of the devil. And that's how God's presence, or that's how the tabernacle of God, which is your vessel, gets trapped and stolen from the enemy. I hope you see this. And whoever doesn't understand me needs to read the Bible more. So this is a spiritual picture of what, how Satan dismantles a believer. So the God of Ashdod destroys thoughts through rebellion, destroy God's value inside of you. What do you mean destroy God's value inside of you? God's presence. See, if your greatest value is to build God's presence inside you, Satan doesn't stand a chance. Because the Holy Spirit's burning like a flame in this place. Okay. Number three. I'll try to finish them. There's not too many left. The third stage of exposing God's presence through your flesh. The third stage, 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 2. We go to the next scripture, please. 
When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Now we're going to the next one. We're going to the next step here now. We're dealing with Dagon now. Let's see what Dagon is symbolic of. Dagon means a great increase of thoughts through error that lead us away from spiritual truth. So Dagon represents, are we ready for this? Please pay attention. Dagon represents rebellion, pride, power-hungry, control, oppression and torture of God's children, idolatry, immorality, fornication, disobedience, greed, lust, poverty, false teaching. Perverting God's word, Dagon means... Dagon's main task is to get man to turn his eyes from God as his provider, instead looking at himself, other people, other gods. Also to bring man to a place of disobedience to God's commands in order for God's curses to come upon the man so that he will suffer famine, infirmities or premature death. That's the God of Dagon now. Now you start to see the patterns of the enemy. He's there to, he, his task is to destroy you. But if you've built on the right foundation, God's presence, what would happen? He would get uprooted from you. So you can't make this up. That's what his name is symbolic of. And also child sacrificing. But I'm, I don't want to go too much into that. So Dagon represents that. Now isn't that a picture here of Galatians 5.17? For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. That's that picture of the spirit of Dagon now. What's the main purpose of Dagon which is, a, which is a demonic characteristic. Remember, everything you see in the Old Testament, today we see them as characteristics in our heart. Do you understand that? So all the Old Testament armies that fought against the tribe of Israel, they are demonic characteristics in our heart. So look here, of all that he stood for, and you begin to see, why am I doing this? It's the devil. Satan wants you to believe it's yourself. But what does God's presence do, does? Exposes him. You will know very clearly now it's not him. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's the devil doing this to you. So Dagon represents rebellion, pride, power, hungry, oppression and torture of God's children, idolatry, immorality, fornication, disobedience and so many greed, lust, and you begin to think, why am I so devoted to this? Why am I getting pushed along this? Satan, that's his role. 
Number four. I'm going through them very quick just to finish. Now the fourth stage of God's presence which brings discernment. We go to the next one. First Samuel chapter 5 verse 8. Now I'm just going to read that bottom here. It says, let the ark of God of Israel be carried away to Gath. Now this is what happens now. The fourth stage of God's presence. Gath. Gath means wine press. Okay, are you ready for this? Gath means winepress. What does the Bible say? You cannot pour new wine into old wineskin. What is that person doing now? What is that person doing now? Gath means discernment. So that person is praying and he's fasting. And God's dealing with the old wineskin. Can you see it? So Gath means winepress meaning standing standing on a standpoint of trials and suffering and becoming conscious of what's, what appears to be evil. Then he becomes busy in seeing what is good, true, which allows him to enter every aspect of overcoming so that he can be blessed. That's the fourth stage now, that you're beginning to expose it now. That's what happens when God's presence enters you you begin to have a place of overcoming you begin to see that it is evil what does Paul say the mature have disciplined themselves or trained themselves to discern what both good and evil the mature does that but what does a mature person do he prays and he fasts naturally God begins to do that inside of them Number five, the fifth stage, First Samuel 5.10, and we'll finish off with this. First Samuel 5.10, therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. Okay, we're going to the next place now. This is the process of God's presence. The fifth stage, therefore they went to the ark of God to Ekron. You ready for this now? Ekron means to root out, to exterminate. You know what that means? It means that you're uprooting sin in your life. You see what God's presence does? What does God's presence does? Uproots the old man from you. Ekron means rooting out extermination of sin and the flesh. It means to migrate from the earth to heavenly places. So let's say someone says, I'm going to compromise God's presence in my life. What are they really doing? They are saying to themselves that the old man is going to stay. Because the presence of God was designed for what? To deal with your old man and your sinful nature. So let's say someone in their journey continuously gets they're in a pattern of sin. They overcome, they're in a stage of repentance, they're walking, they get sucked into that same place. You haven't given value to God's presence to uproot what he needs to uproot or exterminate inside of you. 
God's presence deals with that. He deals with the deep-rooted nature that's blocking you from fellowshipping with the true God. He deals with it. God's presence. You having a habit of being with God every day, naturally the Holy Spirit does that in your journey. So you can see here why the Holy Spirit was given. Look, I just want to show it to you. I want to show it to you very quickly. You start to see the first stage. The first stage. Where am I a prisoner to Satan? What happens when God's presence comes into you? You start to see where you have become a prisoner to Satan. So when God's presence touches you, what does he do? He set the captives free. You start to see where Satan has held you captive. Or where you have been a prisoner to his will. Can you understand that? Number two. Number two. The war begins. So where has Satan entrapped me? Or where am I a prisoner to Satan? Through strongholds through lies, many things, through sin. The number two, the war begins. The resistance begins. The warfare begins. Isn't that a picture when God comes into you? The war begins inside of you. Number three. Number three, the third stage. Exposing, exposing your flesh and sin and Satan through God's presence. Okay, that's number three. Number four. Number four. God's presence produces discernment. So a lot of people say, what's the benefit of me spending time with God? He restores your whole vessel. Number five. Number five. Extermination. Or rooting out of sin takes place. So let's say, and I say this humbly, let's say you choose to stay away from God's presence. You're choosing from being sanctified and restored by the Lord. You begin to see the bigger picture of why the Holy Spirit was sent for you. The Holy Spirit was sent to you for what? To destroy the works of the devil inside of you. And for a person to be spiritually asleep in this way, thinking that they can walk without God's presence through the Holy Spirit doing the work inside of you, you will live a challenged life. Because the presence was designed to keep Satan out. Can you see? So let's say you don't want to go to the secret place and train yourself every day to be in God's presence. You're really sane that God cannot cleanse me and restore me and break that kingdom of Satan inside of me. Because all your life before Christ, you were fed with this, you were trained with this, you lived this way, and you come to Christ, you still have the whole of your old nature to be renewed. Your mind to be renewed, your habits to be restored and reaffirmed, 
And I feel that the Christian world today, they're asleep to this. They're asleep. They've learned to have uh, the God of Ashdod as part of that tabernacle inside of them. You have to understand why the Holy Spirit was given to you. And you have to understand the blessing of God's presence, of what he was designed to do inside of you. If you don't understand this, you will struggle. Because the Holy Spirit, he is a spirit. Satan is a spirit. Those two spiritual, the two spirits are fighting for your soul. And Satan has one desire to take that place of God. Take your heart. That's that place. That's where he wants to live. And today someone will say, to live for the world is easy. To feed sin is easy. To go after the flesh it's easy. But to be obedient to God's presence. To resist sin. To deny the flesh it's hard. And that's a picture of you not training yourself to be in God's presence. Because that fruit of when the Holy Spirit does come, he'll give you self-control. You will have self-control to close those doors and to walk freely with the Lord. But you begin to see, am I this person? I'm not interested in a good message anymore. I thank God that's taken away from me what I'm interested in building people in the process. Because let me tell you something, no one can make you stand other than God's presence in you. i tell you the truth. Nothing will make you stand other than God's presence in you. And let's say you've learned to be in his presence in challenges. Transform that now for your everyday life. God will build you on the right foundation.